Hey, good morning, West Bulls. It is great to be back with you. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you to David Perez, our youth director, for bringing us the message last week. Well, I want to start with a question this morning. Are you over it? Yeah, how many times have we used that phrase in the last couple weeks, last couple months? I mean, everybody's over something, aren't we? We're over not gathering. We're maybe over the government. We're over Zoom. We're over, we're over how the country operates. We're over masks. We're over social media. We've all said we're over it in some area. Or maybe you've said this, I, I just can't wait. I just can't wait till we get back to normal, whatever normal is going to be. Or my favorite when, when speaking to certain people is, I just can't even. I literally just can't even talk about it. And here's one thing I just want us to know for this morning. Um, I have this personal rule. You should literally never use the word literally. So please don't ever use it again, literally. Thank, thank you, all right? See, the thing that we're all facing right now is to some degree, we're all over the dynamic that we face over the last few months. And, and there have been all kinds of dynamics going on, haven't there? And so the question is, are you over it? And that actually, that has some implications for those of us that are Christians, because for us as Christians to be over it, well, it kind of reminds me of this video that we sent out by email. Uh, it was a couple months ago. Maybe you remember it, but take a look. How is it? Good. It looks so, it looks like you're enjoying yourself. Mm. Oh, yeah, that looks like you're enjoying. Okay, you okay? Are you Now you can watch that video and you can appreciate what she was going through, but as I watch that video and as I, as I look at, at myself, as I look at various Christians who have arrived at this place of just saying, I'm over it, I realize we, we kind of sound like this little girl who, who's trying to convince everybody she's okay when clearly she's not. And as Christians, as we walk around and we talk about having the, the very peace of God and the love of God, it's so easy for us to walk around and try to convince the rest of the world that we're okay, when maybe, maybe inside, we're not. And so all of this brings up another question that I want to ask you, especially on this Independence Day weekend. On a holiday weekend that, that symbolizes so much, and, and we, we've come to know it to represent our freedom and liberty and our independence— the question is, are we free? Really? Uh, are we really free? Because as we walk around and, and we can point at different things and say, I'm over that, and I'm over that, and I'm over that, and I'm over that, it, it's a valid question to ask ourselves. Are we free? Of course we appreciate what was done for us to enjoy the freedoms that we have today. But are we free Really? And the answer to that question, as we look through the passage today, the answer to that question really has everything to do with where and what we're staring at. In fact, the author of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 11, he, he's going to take us through a passage this morning. It's Hebrews chapter 11, and we'll be there for the next few weeks. But he takes us through a passage that is like walking down a hallway, looking at the pictures of those who came before us. And as we walk through that passage over the next few weeks— you're going to see there's an answer to that question. How do we know if we're free when at the same time we're looking around, feeling like we're just over it? 
take a look at what the author of Hebrews, um, what he has to say at the beginning of chapter 11. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now, obviously, the author says nothing about freedom yet, but we'll get there this morning because he's going to get there. But the second part of that statement really is the issue for us. Look at it again. The assurance about what we do not see. See, as I look around right now, and as I consider all the statements that we've made about we're over this and we're over that, I realize that maybe we're dealing less with the assurance about what we do not see and the affliction of what we are seeing in front of our faces right now. And it's all, it's all kinds of different areas, many different kinds of dynamics. But many of us, we have less assurance about what we do not see and more we're, we're feeling the affliction of what we do see to the point that the first part of the statement from the author of Hebrews here in verse 1 is affected. Read it again. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for. Isn't it true that maybe your confidence has begun to wane? See, any time we make the statement, I'm over fill in the blank, it's because our confidence has waned. Our confidence in what we hoped for has waned. See, it's possible that the inside of us has become subject in some way, shape, or form to what's going on outside of us. That the outside of us is somehow impacting and influencing the inside of us far more than we think. I have to be honest, as I, as I think about people that I know who truly have hearts for justice, as I've talked with some of them, as I've listened to some of them, I, I, I don't sense joy in the middle of all that. I, I sense a burden, and it might even be a holy burden, but I don't sense joy. When I think about our building and how the doors have had to be closed, and, and I know that there are people who love being in our building as a church together, and that's a good thing and something that we, we are so looking forward to doing, even this next week. But as I talk with people about our building's doors being closed, I sense the anger that comes out a little bit. As I discuss with people what we're seeing on social media right now, there's anxiety. And there's depression because we're staring at these news headlines. And it's, it's the outside impacting the inside. Even as I talk with people about Zoom, which is an incredible technology for us to gather, I can hear the impatience coming through because the outside circumstances are beginning to affect the inside. And, and let, me just, let me just throw a little perspective. I know you may be Zoomed out. I know you may, Zoom fatigue may be a new phrase for you that you use. But please keep in mind the leaders who so faithfully, consistently put those gatherings together. And they show up every single time to teach a lesson, to facilitate a discussion, to just say hi. See, we can't let the outside affect the inside the way it has. And I don't say this by pointing my finger at everybody else because, hear me, it has been years it's been years since my Michigan Wolverines have beaten the Ohio State Buckeyes, the rival. And in fact, it's only been once in like the last 16 or 17 years. So I get it. And when that happens, you know what I do? I do this thing that we all do when, when external circumstances affect us. I look up and I go, I mean, how many prayers do you need? How many prayers is it going to take? I, did you not hear me? And in my deepest, darkest moments, I go, I mean, do you even still love me? Do you even notice that I'm here anymore? 
And so in light of all that, what is helpful for me is when I hear the stories of people that faced circumstances far worse than I have ever faced, and yet they continue to walk forward with what the author of Hebrews just described in verse 1. Confidence in what they hoped for and assurance about that which we do not see. And that, that is Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be there over the next few weeks because it's just so rich and there's so much in it. But that's exactly what the author of Hebrews continues to do. He holds up these stories. Even as I look through it right now, you've got in verse 3, he points at the past. And he points out that everything around us, all creation, it was created from that which was not seen before. And he talks about our past. And then in verses 4 through 7, he lists a few familiar names. If you grew up in church, Abel, Enoch, and Noah's there. And he references really the present. How do you walk through this life in the present with faith? He speaks to what we do, what we've experienced, and even what they faced. And then he uses two people that we, we even give one of them a nickname, the father of faith, Abraham. And he references the future in verses 8 through 12. He talks about how they, they had to walk by faith toward this promise that they were given about their future, but no other details. See, what you have at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 11 is really this picture of the broad scope of the human experience walking through this life in faith. And then we finally get to verse 13, and you think he's going to hit us with all this inspiration, and listen to what he says. All these people were still living by faith when they died. And remember what faith is? Remember what he said way back in verse 1? Faith is confidence in what we hope for, in the assurance of things we do not see. In other words, these people went their entire lives hoping for something, confident in something, assured about something, and they died. They hoped their entire lives. And he goes on. He says, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Can you imagine going your whole life with that promise you had hoped for, for that event you'd hoped would happen, for the thing that you, the, the big payoff from all your hard work, all the waiting, all the anticipation? And what does the author of Hebrews tell us? And they died. And they died hoping, getting a glimpse of it and maybe seeing it from a distance, but never actually experiencing it. I mean, I look through this list as, that we'll talk through in the next few weeks, and I think, I think about some of the people who came before us. I, I can just see Moses sitting with us saying, I mean, it was 40 years. 40 years I walked with people as they griped and they complained. And, and yet when we got to the verge of the promised land, I couldn't go in. I, I didn't get to see this earthly promise. Or you had Daniel. Daniel, who, who lived in and served in the house of the palace of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, with all his pride and all his arrogance and all his boasting, and yet Daniel just faithfully walked next to him. See, see we don't think like that, do we? We come across those people, and it's like, get away. I, I want to run as far away as I can, and yet Daniel faithfully plotted, because somewhere, somewhere in the far-off distance of Daniel's vision— he knew there was a promise. 
there was something better one day. Or, or you had even, as, as I look through this list, you've got people like, like the prophet Jeremiah. He, the author references the prophets. Jeremiah, whose message was just weeping. He's known as the weeping prophet because the message he had to bring was not fun. People did not smile and laugh and, and say yay when Jeremiah came walking down the street. I'd be a weeping prophet if I had to bring that message as well. And yet you look at all of these lives who, who again, what were they doing when they, when they died? They were living by faith. You look at all these lives and it raises a really good question for us. And that question is this, can, can the inside of us be okay even when the outside isn't? See, when we, when we look around at our lives and you consider these heroes of the faith as they looked around at their lives, the outside was broken, and the outside was, was less than they had hoped for. It was, truly, it was truly their assurance didn't come from what they saw, but what they did not see. If we look around at our society and our culture, and we look at all that's going on in the name of, of rights, human rights right now, if we look at these protests and these marches, regardless of whether you agree or disagree with the specifics and the circumstances surrounding it, if we look at all of it and we don't recognize that it, it is an effort to uphold human dignity and rights for all people, then we've overlooked something that those heroes of the faith saw in the distance. If we look at our president, our elected officials, our government, our police force, our public servants, and we don't recognize the need to pray for them regardless of whether we voted for them, support them, agree with them, align with them, if we don't recognize the need to pray for them, then we've overlooked something that those heroes of the faith saw in the distance. If we cannot sit down at a table with those who see differently than us and have a conversation, we've overlooked something. And if we cannot worship God, no matter where we're at, as much as we all love gathering, but if we cannot worship God, no matter what situation we're in, then we have overlooked something. And we are looking for it to come out in what we see rather than be assured in what we do not see. And so the author of Hebrews, he continues walking through these stories of these heroes of the faith. And finally, he lands at verse 39. And now we're going to move toward what it really means to be free. Even when you look around and you just think, I'm over it. Here's what, he, here's, here's what the author of Hebrews says. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. In other words, the outside never did work out for them. None of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us they would be made perfect. I mean, can you just hear Moses right now? I mean, imagine Moses walks in to wherever you're at, sits down with you, and he wants to know your faith journey. And as you explain your faith journey, I'd imagine Moses would go, wow. Wow, I mean, you know my story, but I went my whole life without ever getting to see what you got to see. Can you imagine David? David, who, King David, who we read so much about. I mean, so much of the Old Testament you, you can see David in, whether it's a direct reference or his writings. David, who poured his heart out onto the pages, and we now have those in the form of Psalms, who for all that pouring out, if he could listen to you, 
he'd go, wow, you have something that I only hoped for. And I saw it dimly in the distance, but I never got to experience it. Or Zechariah, who thought, surely, maybe, maybe, maybe he's closer because of the time in which he lived. And yet, he got up every single day, hoping this would be the day. And he died without ever experiencing that better that the author of Hebrews references here. You can hear the them-us language, right? What is the difference, you think, between them and us? And if you grew up in church, this is, this is that question that like the teacher used to ask you or the pastor. And, and if you didn't know the answer, there's like one answer that you can pretty much bank on being the answer. It's that answer. The, the difference between them and us is Jesus. See, we get to live on this side of the cross, and they didn't. And so we got to experience that better that the author of Hebrews references here. Regardless, regardless of what you're staring at on the outside, you know what all these heroes of the faith would say? You got something better. Even if the outside circumstances aren't better and they're not fixed, you got something that we could only hope for. And it's with that in mind that the author of Hebrews turns the page and starts chapter 12 with this powerful, powerful statement. Look at what he says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all those lives that he just referenced, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Could I paraphrase? You know what he says? You're free. That's freedom. No matter what the outside looks like, you've been set free inside because you live on this side of the cross and you've trusted in what Jesus Christ did on your behalf at the cross. You know what that means? It means this. It means that you can, you can look around at what's happening in our culture and in our society, and you can, you can actually champion the rights and the dignity of all people. It means that you can look at our president, and again, whether you agree with him or not, you can pray for him. You can look at our police force and recognize that they mean for good, and that a few examples that have been held up to us a few examples that have been held up to us do not necessarily indicate what every single police officer is like. And even if they were, even if they were, you could pray for them because Jesus died for them. And you can even look around in a time when our doors have been closed and you can go, you know what, Heavenly Father, I can engage you right where I'm at. You know what that is? That's freedom. And now he's going to build on it. He moves into the end of verse 1, beginning of verse 2. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Can you hear it? See, the engagement of our faith and the freedom that comes with that, it has everything to do with what we're staring at. And I got to be honest, for many of us, myself included, we've been staring at all these things that we now look at them and say, I'm over it. 
I'm over it. And the reason we're over it is because we've got to come back and fix our eyes on the one who is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Verse 3, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In other words, consider him so that you don't get to the point where you're just over it. And everything you look at, you're just over it. Because as we'll find out next week, some really terrible things happen when we get to the point and we allow ourselves to get to the point of being over it. But in the meantime, how do you know you're free? See, freedom is when the inside remains fixed on Jesus, even when the outside has yet to be fixed by Jesus. And rest assured, he will fix the outside. He has said he will fix, restore, redeem all things outside of us. And so our job remains to fix our eyes on him. And when you do that, well then, you can, you can be for human dignity, human rights, and justice. You can pray for the president and our police and public servants. And you can worship God wherever you're at. And you can never, ever get to a point where you say, I'm over it, when you look around. And so to remind us what the perfecter and the pioneer of our faith, who we fix our eyes on, to remind us of his work at the cross, I'm going to turn this over to Kyle Christensen, who's going to lead us through communion. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week.